Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. What's up, family? Hey, welcome back to part two of our series called Waiting for When. And we realized in this series that we all have those moments when we're just waiting for that next thing, waiting for something to to change, to break through. We're just waiting for when. Hey, if you do this and you you work out all this stuff and you you just focus in, then, then one day, someday, and you're just like, yeah, but when is that someday? When is this finally going to happen. And we're actually doing this deep dive into the life of David. And, and we're seeing where David was waiting for when in so many different seasons of his life. But it was more than just waiting for when on the clock. David was waiting for those moments when he wasn't overlooked, those moments when he wasn't left out. And, and there's so many moments in his story where we see him just waiting for what God was going to open up next. But you have to imagine that he was sitting there going, hey, God, but, but when? And one of the big takeaways that we, we took from last week, and it's been a statement that has resonated with, with many of you that you've shared with me, is that we can't make a difference in something we're trying to escape. We can't make a difference in, in something that we're just trying as soon as possible. Can I get out of this situation? Can I get out of this present pain? Can I get out of this present season? Can I get out of this job? Can I get out of this relationship? And when we're trying our best just to get out, just to escape, we miss out on so much that God wants to do while we're still in it. And so today we're going to be looking at one of the most recognizable stories of David, when David was facing his giant. And we're going to be looking about at what we do when we come face to face with our giants. And I want you to filter this really familiar story through this question, a question that I know you've asked in many areas of your life, but I want you to, to filter the story through this. When it comes to waiting for when, many of us ask, when am I going to get past this? Right? Have you, what if, is that this for you? What is that thing for you? Is it a, a bad habit that you, you just can't drop? Is it just something in your life that you just feel stuck in and you wish you could change? Have you ever had a, a failure that you can't get over? Or a moment in history, a hurt, a pain that just keeps lingering in your life? And you, you're just thinking to yourself, when am I going to get over this? When am I going to get past this. Maybe for some of you, it's just that like that last 10 pounds that just won't go away, no matter how much dieting, no matter how hard you work out. And it's just like, am I going to have this forever? When am I going to get past this? My, uh, my thing actually is, has been a physical one in the last stretch of time. And listen, I already know how. I know what you're going to do on the other side of the camera. I know the eye rolls that are going to come. And I know the comments of, Boy, you don't even know. You young kids don't even understand. But I'm going to tell you the story anyway because it's my life 
And it's what my thing is that I'm saying, God, am I ever going to get past this thing? And that thing for me was, was I actually, uh, as I've turned 36 this year, all of a sudden, my body just is, is having issues. Like, I'm nervous about sneezing because if I sneeze too hard, I might throw my back out. Right? Like, if, if I drop my gluten-free Oreo in the car and I'm reaching down to grab it so it doesn't go down with all the nasty stuff, if I stretch too far, all of a sudden, something in my shoulder's popping out and I need Advil and, and three days off of work with the ice pack. It's like, what is going on? What has happened to my body? I don't understand. And so about four months ago in, in working out, I'm, I'm just trying to stay healthy. Somehow I injured my elbow. And it, it is just killing me. It's just this throbbing pain. It'll, it'll get stiff in the middle of the night like it's arthritis. And I'll wake up and I'm like, ah, what's going on with my elbow? It's just like this nonstop aggravating pain. And every time I use my arm, every time I lift something, every time I'm wrestling with the girls and I'm just trying to live life, it's just reminding me, hello, I'm still here. I still hurt. And so I was talking with, with my buddy who's a physical therapist. And I said, hey, bro, I don't know what to do. Like, it's not going away. At, at this point, it, it was kind of two and a half months, three months into this, this process of dealing with it. And he said, well, sometimes your body won't heal itself correctly. And so sometimes you almost have to re-injure it and give your body another chance to heal. And I thought, well, that's a terrible idea. Like, that's the last thing in the world that I want to do. But you know what? You're the expert. So I'm, I push through the pain. I ignore the pain. I'm just working out how I was always doing. I'm trying to hold back tears in the gym because my elbow is just like on fire and it's just lighting me up. But I said, you know what? I'm going to trust this process. And I, listen, I have to tell you, four months in, I have diligently been working hard. I have been trying to care for my elbow I am prayerfully and intentionally doing things to, to try to promote healing. And I just got to let you know, it still hurts. It's still not any better. I don't understand what I've done. I don't know what the problem is. And it's wearing me out. And I'm asking God legitimately in my life, am I ever going to get past this? What have I done to my elbow? Here's, here's the reality. We all have those areas of our life where we feel like, God, am I ever going to get past this? There are giants in your life that make you feel forever paralyzed in this season, stuck in, in the waiting because the only way forward is through the giant. The only way to mature, the only way to heal, the only way to grow, the only way to, to lean into your purpose is through that giant. And you're asking yourself and you're asking God, am I ever going to get past this? And you see, as we look at David's encounter with Goliath, I think we'll find some ways that he was able to get through his giant. Ways that he, he found and connected with God that unlocked his ability to have victory in this crucial moment in his story. And so we're going to jump back into our story. And if you remember from last week, David's anointed. He's dripping with anointing. And Saul, all of a sudden, is, is being tormented and, and needs a skilled musician to come in and help him connect 
with the Lord. And he reaches out to Jesse because his advisors say, hey, there's a, there's a kid named David. And so he reaches out and we find David is still with the sheep, anointed, but sent right back into the same assignment. And David now is, is brought into the palace, not because he was anointed to be the next king, but he was, he was a skilled musician. It was something completely different that got him into the door. There's, there's so much there that I, I just have to leave alone. But the atmosphere in Israel had started to shift because their nemesis, the Philistines, they had gathered their armies, gathered their troops, and they had declared war. And so as the armies came face to face with each other in the valley, David's job shifted from being a musician to becoming an errand boy. And every day he would, he would go out and, and he would help his dad with the sheep and then he would come back and deliver supplies to his brothers who were out on the battlefield and deliver food to their captains and, and resources and supplies. And he just faithfully just went back and forth as a delivery boy. And for 40 days and 40 nights, Israel was stuck. They were paralyzed because the Philistines had called on their greatest ultimate warrior, Goliath, this giant who would come out and he would taunt Israel. He would challenge Israel and he would say, hey, we're not going to have this big battle between all these people. It's just one-on-one, you versus me. And the winner is the winner. Whoever wins is over, is ruling. That other, the loser becomes the slave of the other nation. And they were paralyzed. One day as David was coming to deliver his food to his his brothers, he overheard Goliath taunting Israel and taunting God. 1 Samuel 17, 22, it says, David left his things with the keeper of supplies. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. I just want to pause here for one second. I just want you to recognize where Saul was. Because we we, we talked a little bit last week about Saul and his disobedience. Goliath It's challenging. One man to step up and lead. And you remember how Israel said, hey, we want to be like everybody else. God, you're awesome, but we really want a king. We want a dude that we can lean on. Where was the dude? Saul was just hiding along with all of his other soldiers. Instead of stepping up to lead his people to be that champion, he was hiding in fear. Verse 26, David asked the men standing nearby, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is, I love David, David gets all cocky. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 28, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. And he asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Low blow. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. 
Eliab obviously still hurt that God had chosen David over him, unleashes on David and calls his character into question. Now, the one thing that David had going for him was that his, his heart was pure, his motives were pure, he was, he was known for his character. And here Eliab, in front of all of these people, says, you conceited, arrogant little punk. You're just here to see the fight. You're just here to see the blood. You're not... Why are you so conceited? Why are you so caught up in yourself? And he, he interprets David's passion as arrogance. He views David's discovering his purpose as being self-centered and conceited. And there's, there's a big key that you need to see here when it comes to this part of the story. Not everyone in your life will celebrate your growth and celebrate your purpose. Listen, there are people in your life that are benefiting from your dysfunction. And the moment that you make the decision to, to lean into maturity and to grow, to lean into your passion, to lean into your purpose, there are people in your life that are going to attack you because you're, you're leaving the comfort zone. You're leaving the discomfort. And what happens is, and this is not your intention, this is not your motive, but when you start to discover who God has created you to be, it puts a spotlight on the fact that they're not doing it in their life. And you'll start to hear things like, oh, you, you think you're better than me, don't you? You hear things like, oh, man, ever since you started going to church, all of a sudden you're different. You've changed. And while that should be something to be celebrated, there are people in your life who will view it as an offense to their lives. And what I need you to understand is that we are, we are called to please our Savior, not to appease our neighbor. Listen, we're called to love our neighbor. But if you live your life trying to please every single person in your life, you're never going to have the energy or the capacity to do that. We're living our lives to line up with what the, the plan and the call and the purpose that God has given us. And as we lean into that, there are some people in your life that that will cause great discomfort for. And you love them, you encourage them to come on the journey with you, but you have to understand that if you're trying to please God and you're trying to please them, it's going to create this tension that's just going to cause you to fail. Our lives are called to line up with God. Back in the story, 1 Samuel 17 and 31. What David said as he was talking to, to the other men was overheard and it was reported to Saul. And Saul goes, who's this guy? Send for him. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine king. Your servant will go and fight him. I'm ready. Put me in, coach. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, and I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. 
the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. I just love this point in the story, but I think you and I have to rewind the tape for just a moment. David's preparation before this moment had to feel overwhelming. It had to feel unnecessary. Why was it that on a random Tuesday, a mountain lion comes jumping out of the trees and steals a sheep and David has to chase it down and kill it? Why out of nowhere does a giant bear come and and attack the sheep and carry it off in his mouth and he has to grab it by the hair and beat it over the head with a stick to kill it? Like everybody else gets coyotes, everybody else gets wolves. I got to deal with a lion and a bear? Like, when you look at his story, he asks the questions, like, why was his life so complicated? Why did, why did he have to go through the challenges that he did? Why did it seem like his journey was so much harder than everybody else's around him? Have you ever asked that same question? Why? Why is my life so much more complicated? Why do I have to face this? Why do I have to go through this? you see is what David didn't know is that his past challenges would be the resume that opened the door for God's favor. His past challenges, because he was faithful with the little, because he, he surrendered the timeline to the Lord, because his heart and his motives were pure because of his relationship with God. These moments that would feel overwhelming, and as he's telling the other shepherds, dude, I had to kill a lion day, and they're like, a What? Why? How did that happen? While his story probably felt way more overwhelming than everyone else's around him, it was God preparing his resume. It was preparing his opportunity to stand before the king and go, man, this giant doesn't freak me out. I killed a lion with my bare hands. I killed a bear. I beat it over the head. I grabbed it by its, the scruff of his neck and I choked him out like Who else would have that story as a shepherd boy in the field? David's challenges in the past would be the resume that unlocked God's favor in this this moment. What he endured became the strength that he leaned on in the future season. But there's something that I want you to grab a hold of. I don't want you to miss this. Because we like to skip ahead to David defeating Goliath, but... I don't think we understand the magnitude of what David was signing up for. You see, Goliath had had sent out this challenge and he said, hey, it's going to be man to man. Instead of all of these other warriors dying, instead of all of our countries doing this, it is me, the greatest warrior of the Philistines versus your greatest warrior. Whoever wins, it's winner take all. The loser loses all. The loser becomes the slave of the other nation. This was massive. It's the reason why for 40 days and for 40 nights, no one stepped up to the challenge. Because inside of them, there's this fear of not being able to to defeat Goliath. But it wasn't just the, the fight between Goliath. It was the repercussions on the other side. For them, they're processing, this is the future of Israel. This is the reputation of Israel. And for many of them, they probably believe this is the reputation of God. 
if I fail, what does it say about God? And so their fear held them captive from stepping in to their purpose. Verse 38, Saul says to David, okay, go, and the Lord be with you. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand and he chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and he saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, I like that description, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. You see, the giants in your life, they stand in your way and they shout out lies. They shout out accusations. They call out your insecurities. They call out your fears. They call out all the reasons why you shouldn't be able to make it. They, they highlight every weakness in your life and they shout over and over again. And what they're saying, sometimes it sounds so true. And that giant feels so insurmountable. He feels so overwhelming. But there's something about God that you need to understand. If there's a voice in your life that is louder than God's, he's going to have a problem with it. Listen, we, we always get this picture of Jesus in our mind of this, this meek little savior petting a sheep in his arms. That painting that's in, in all the, the older churches of Jesus is holding the land with his, with his beautiful sash going across. Jesus ain't just that. When there's a voice in your life that is louder than God's voice, Jesus isn't here to play. Jesus is, is equipped and ready to silence the voice of the lies that are in your ears. Silence the voice that's in your heart that is, is calling out all the things that are wrong rather than calling out the greatness that God has put in you. Jesus is not aimlessly sitting by going, oh my goodness, look how big this giant is. Jesus is waiting on us to call him. He, he died so that he could silence the fears and the anxieties and the insecurities and the brokenness within our, he died to carry those things. The brother of Jesus, James, says it this way, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you're facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and there's nothing lacking. And James goes on to say, he says, ask God for wisdom, ask him for clarity. But I need you to ask with some authority, understanding that he's going to show up that he is going to answer, and more importantly, that he is going to empower you to face your giants. There's something that's happening here. But too many times we're afraid to ask God to reveal the giants in our life. 
Too many times we want to lean on our own strength and we, we silently try to build ourselves up to face our giants, to face our fears, to face our insecurities, to, to face our comforts, our anger, our addictions, to, to face those voices in our life. And we just say, oh, if I can work a little bit harder, if I can just get myself together a little bit this way, then there's so much that we're missing here. We're about to get there, but, but it starts with us naming our giants. We have to name our giants. We have to call them for what they are. And some of the most common giants that we see in our life is, is the giant of fear. Fear is when we hesitate to live out what we say we believe. Fear, it, we feed our fear and we end up starving our faith. We give into the power of worry because we've stopped worshiping. We allow this fear to grip us and hold us into place. There's a little known fact about this story that, that maybe you haven't heard, but did you know that Israel had a division of its army that was a skilled slingshot snipers? Judges 20 and 16 says, that there is a division, this part of Israel's army, was a group of 700 left-handed slingers who were so incredible at their job that you could hold up a strand of hair in your fingers and they could hit it with a stone. Was David the only one capable of using a slingshot to defeat Goliath? No. There was probably hundreds of other guys that were more skilled and more physically capable of doing what David did. But David was the only one with the courage enough to believe that God was going to show up on his behalf. David was the only one that was bold enough to step out of the fear and say, my God will handle this. It isn't about my skills. It's about his ability. It's about his faithfulness. I am not just defending Israel, I am defending the name of God and God will not let his name be disrespected. There were plenty of other dudes who were capable of doing what David did, but he was the only one who trusted God enough to do it. So much there. Another giant that we face is rejection. The belief of never being enough, never measuring up and, and giving into comparison and shame. Listen, David had every right to lean into the voices around him. His, his dad didn't even call, consider him worthy enough to invite him to the party when, when his family, possibly one of his brothers, would be anointed as king. He wasn't even invited. Eliab, in front of all of these men, calling him out and calling him conceited and arrogant and, and calling that his motives are impure in front of all these soldiers... He could have allowed the voice of those around him to determine his value, but instead he leaned into God's opinion of him and what God said about him and what he knew God was raising up in him. And he leaned into that over the rejection that everyone else presented him. Another giant is the giant of comfort. It's comfort. The silent anchor that keeps us from stepping into the unknown. Do you realize that David did in 40 minutes what the rest of Israel couldn't do in 40 days? 
Do you think it was a capacity issue? I don't. I think there were more, there were, there were hundreds, maybe thousands of people who had the capacity to do what David did. But he was the one who decided to step out of his comfort zone. The giant of anger in our life, when our, our passion crosses the line of protecting our values into projecting pain. That giant that rears its head every time we feel like someone is disrespecting or, or not appreciating or not, and that anger comes rising out. And then lastly, the giant of addiction, where we cover our weaknesses by seeking comfort over correction. Listen, family, if you don't name your giants, you'll just keep mislabeling it stress. You'll keep mislabeling it a challenging season. And then throughout your life, over and over and over and over and over and over, the giant will keep raising up before your path and you have to try to get through it again. You have to come face to face with it again. It's not just stress. I was talking with a friend about this the other day when we don't label it, when we don't take an account for what's happening in our life, we just label everything as stress. And, and these voices are shouting in our lives. And because we're just labeling them all as this one thing, we can't find the source. We can't find the voice. But when you name your giants, you can finally come face to face with it. And as you'll see in a moment, you'll be able to know what to do when you come face to face with that giant. But if you just keep labeling everything, well, what's going on? I'm just stressed. Well, why? I don't know. I'm just overwhelmed. But why? I don't know. Ask God for clarity to help you discover what giants are in your life. Because until you name them, you can't defeat them. Until you label them for what they are, you won't know how to move past them. And there's so many giants. There's giants to be desired, giants of being in control, giants of making a name for yourself, giants of being needed. Like God will reveal to you, God, search my heart, oh God, and reveal in me, reveal in me, God, those, those adversaries that are holding me back from the future ahead of me. We have to get back in the story. First Samuel 17, 45. And David replied to the Philistine. David had something to say. He's like, my turn. You got to shout. It's my turn to shout. You come to me with the sword, the spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Now, this is a key. Underline this. Today, the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild beasts. Just talking trash now. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. Because this is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us. I love it. Trash talk at its best. Feed your flesh to the birds, your carcasses. The whole world will know what Jesus is doing here. But this is the part of the story where we've gotten it twisted. Unintentionally, there's this, this false assumption that is, has become commonplace in the story. Because when we read this, we think, I got to be like David. I, I'm called to be 
David in the story and I just got to be that little boy and, and get my five smooth stones and, and I'm going to conquer my giants. That's not the point of the story. Because you see, the reality is we are not David in the story. Jesus is. Listen, we're not the hero of the story. Jesus is. David got this right. David says, the Lord will conquer you. I'm just going to finish you off. The Lord will conquer. I'm just finishing it. It is through Jesus we have our victory. Listen to this, Hebrews 2. Since all his children, talking about us, have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser. What is the intimidating accuser, the giant shouting into your life who holds against us the power of death? By embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting tread of death. In verse 18, he suffered and endured every test and every temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. It's through Jesus. Why is this so important? Guys, listen to me. This is so important because, because when you and I try to put the pressure on ourselves to be the savior, to be the hero, to be the giant slayer, we put ourselves in the center of the story, what we end up doing is we step in front of Jesus and we say, I've got this one. Hey, 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 look, look, look. I, I've got this one, Jesus. But look at this, look at this truth. Jesus says, I already did. Do you want to fight for victory or do you want to fight from it? It's a misalignment in our life. When we put ourselves in the story as David, we're not David. Jesus is. Jesus goes before us. And when we get misaligned in this and we start to, to go, you, you know, I, I prayed a little bit about this, but, you know, honestly, I'm just going to work better on my schedule and I'm going to calendar and I'm going to get me a life planner and I'm going to do and I'm going to I'm going to. All of those practical things are great, but if you don't understand that the one who conquers the giant is Jesus, you will put the pressure and the weight on your shoulders. And guess what, family? Our shoulders aren't big enough to hold that weight. That's why Jesus came in our place. That's why he took on what he took on, so that he could be there to help us conquer the things that are in front of us as we go through the ordeals of life. Christ before us, me following him, him being the conquering savior ahead of me, not me going, hey, you take a break on this one. I've got it on my own. The story ends, 1 Samuel 17, 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and he hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the, the Philistine with only a sling and a stone for he had no sword. And I just love this part. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. 
David used it to kill him and cut off his head. This isn't in your notes, but what the enemy meant to use to destroy you, God will redeem and use it to destroy him. Those attacks, those struggles, those things in your life, God will redeem the pain that you've been through. What the enemy meant to destroy you, God will use it for good. But there's one last thing that I need you to see as we land this plane. God has conquered the giants, but we have to cut off the head. In other words, we have to cut off the source. God will defeat the Goliath. He will defeat the giants. He will defeat those great things in front of us. He already has. He's declared the victory. And as we lean into him and trust him, but there's, there's a doorkeeper in your life. There's a doorkeeper for your heart and a doorkeeper for your mind. And that doorkeeper is you. And if you're not careful, God may conquer that fear. God may conquer that anxiety. But if you leave the door cracked, it's coming right back in. I read this story as we get ready to pray. I read this story about a, a summer camp in Florida. And the, the workers at the camp, the, the camp leaders, would have to go around the campground and find the poisonous snakes that are around so that the kids wouldn't actually, you know, accidentally run up on, on the snakes. And the best way that they would kill the snakes is they would go around, they would find these poisonous snakes, they would, they would cut their heads off. Sorry for those of you from California. It, it cut their heads off. But the problem is one of the new staff guys didn't realize that there was another step in the process. That after you cut the head off of the snake, you had to bury the head. Why? Even though the snake might be dead, there's still venom in the teeth. And what would happen is if you didn't bury the head, a kid could come across running barefoot and accidentally step on the head and, and still get killed from the venom that was left in the teeth, even though the snake was dead. And some of you in your life, God has conquered the giants. God has, has won the victory. God has moved in your life. And you believe that wholeheartedly. But you got some heads laying around in your life. That still is it's dangerous. And when it comes to those practical steps, it's one thing to believe in victory. It's another thing to live in it. And the living in victory comes from us naming the giants. It comes from us trusting and believing and leaning into the fact that our Savior has conquered them. But then there's some practical steps on our side of it that we have to take in order for those heads, for the venom that's still left in the teeth to not come back invite us. There's some doors in your heart, some doors in your mind that you need to close. And that's where those practical things come in, to, to take account of your life, take account of those stressors, take account of, of those feelings and those emotions, take account of what's going on below the surface, understanding that there's still doors in your life that's open to the giants to sneak their way back in, even though God has the power to conquer them. If we don't cut off the head, if we don't cut off the source, if we don't stop it from having access to our hearts and our minds again, family, we're going to keep dealing with these same giants over and over and over again. But our God is so faithful that he'll keep conquering them. He'll keep knocking them down. 
and given us yet another chance to cut off the head, to cut off the source. But you and I have to take some steps. Name your giants. Know who and what they are. Trust that God is, is giving you the victory over that. That those voices in your life that are louder than God's voices, he has the authority and the power to silence them. But then you and I have the responsibility to cut off the head, cut off the source, and get rid of those things in our life, those habits, those thoughts, those behaviors, those things that happen in our life that give access to the giants. Again, take those practical steps. Trust that God is victorious and we'll watch the giants fall. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray in this moment, more than I, I pray that you would just give this rah-rah energy feeling around the fact that giants can fall in our lives. Jesus, I pray right now for those who are on the other side of this camera that they would, they would hear you, that you would bring clarity to their hearts about the giants in their life. God, those, those fears, those angers, those those insecurities, those addictions, those feelings of rejection, the, the comfort, the, the need for just staying in the same place because of the fear of the unknown. God, would you just reveal to them in their life what's actually happening? What are their giants? God, would you help them disseminate where these voices are coming from in their life so that you can give them the power to silence it? that it wouldn't just be this overwhelming sound of noise, but that they would hear clearly what the enemy is saying so that you can silence it with your truth. Jesus, I pray that you would be with us, that we would defeat the giants in our lives, but more importantly, that we would remember our place, that you are the conqueror, and we get the benefit. We get to connect with you as you go before us and defeat the enemy. Pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.